using pre-planned lines on dating apps to start conversation does not work generally for women because we have a sixth sense. We have like a sniff test. We can tell that those lines are maybe lines that you got from a YouTube pickup artist dude, or you even maybe came up with it on your own, but now you've used it for every single girl over and over and over. It's like that saying, give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day or teach a man how to fish and he'll eat for a lifetime. Give a man a pre-written line and he'll date for a day. Teach him how to banter and he'll date for a lifetime or maybe not a lifetime because you'll find the one right away and then you'll stop dating and you'll just be married. But you know what I mean? I am Kristen from kristenandchill.com and I am the banter queen. I teach guys how to charm more than just the socks off of women. And if you're struggling in conversation, if you're getting ghosted, if you're never hearing back, if you're never ever getting the results that you deserve, hit me up at kristenandchill.com. Want to know the hidden meaning behind what women say and do? Then check out the Chictionary. It's the Wing Girl Methods manual that gives you a full rundown of all the things women say that confuse men written in dictionary format. Go get a copy of the Chictionary by going to winggirlmethod.com slash chick. That's winggirlmethod.com slash chick. Coming up on this week's episode of the Ask Women podcast, we have Jenny Marie Batiston, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist, who's going to teach us how to fight fair. You would think maybe you don't want to fight at all, but that's wrong. You do want to fight. It's healthy. We're also going to talk about when you should start fighting, how often. And also we're going to dive into her relationship stories and history as well. So you'll get a little peek into a single woman's mind. So there's a lot coming up. So keep listening. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Ask Women podcast. If you're here, it's because you're smart and you're awesome and you're going to be killing it with women even now, not even just in the future. Just because you're listening, you got the skills. So today, Marnie's not here, but that's okay. We have a licensed marriage and family therapist, Jenny Marie Batiston, and she's going to talk to us about how to fight fair with women and when you should be fighting and even maybe how early on you can start fighting. Not that we want to fight, but fighting can be healthy. So that's what we're going to chat about today. So thank you, Jenny, for joining me and hanging out for a bit. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited. I love this topic. Well, I'm kind of bummed that Marnie's not here. Normally, I'm happy when she's not here. But I'm bummed today because I think she would really love talking about this being a married woman. Yeah, absolutely. I'm single. So I mean, I don't have someone to fight with, but I can fight with anyone if they want to, sure. But I don't have that one person that tension's building with and things are getting frustrating. So I know Marnie would have a lot to say, but I have been in a relationship in the past for a long time. So I can relate and understand. So tell me a bit about your background. And then we're going to get into this idea of how to fight fairly or how to fight the right way. So go for it. Yeah. So I think my background really goes back to high school. And I was that person that was always the mediator. My girlfriends would come to me and be like, my boyfriend's such a dick. And I'm like, well, why? And they're like, well, because they said this. Or they're telling me they said this to their boyfriend and they don't understand why is he reacting this way. So it started probably in high school which then really led me into, hey, I really want to be in this helping field. So I started off working kind of like a facilitator for premarital couples. 
like that really want to make sure they had a groundwork foundation because they didn't want to do a relationship like their parents had in a relationship. Which then just took me naturally into getting a graduate school in clinical psychology and becoming a licensed marriage family therapist. I work with a lot of couples, both married, not married, cohabitating, not cohabitating, as well as a lot of just individuals that have just perpetually been through a lot of challenging relationships, are fearful about going into another relationship, fearful of making that next commitment. So I just, I love giving people skills because honestly, it's a class that we should have had when we were going through school. Forget calculus. Why not how to communicate and how to fight? Right. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, I was just learning how to fight on the floor. People were like knocking me in the head, you know? So (laughs) maybe a teacher telling me exactly what to do would have been better. So a lot of the guys that listen to the show aren't yet in a relationship. So I understand if they're joining in or they're listening and they're like, oh, but I'm not even in a relationship to be able to fight. So I want to touch upon before we get into the more of the couple stuff is what is a healthy way when you're just starting to date to set the stage for the right way to fight down the road? If you're just dating and you've been on you know, six, seven dates, you're starting to get serious. When's the point when you can start being honest if something's not making you happy? And how do you be honest about it not making you happy when you're super, super early on in the dating process? Yeah. So one of the great formulas that I like to teach a lot of individuals, and you can do this just in your individual life with friends, family, doesn't have to be with a romantic partner, is really just taking a moment and to look at something that feels like a problem or something that just didn't sit right with you and go, okay, why is that not sitting with me right? How do I feel about that? What are my thoughts about that? So just have a moment with yourself and identify that first and really then step into it with that person of, I'm feeling about whatever the problem is, not about the person. Take the person, but the problem, really. Like, I'm feeling a little left out that you brought me to this party and you introduced me to one person and then you were off. And I just need, when we go to a party, that you stick with me for the first 30 minutes, introduce me to a few more people. So whatever the problem is, really kind of focusing on that problem. So I feel about what... And then listing, what do I need? What do I need from you as my partner? What do I need to understand? Is there a point beforehand, before moving forward with this, where you ask yourself, am I being too needy or am I asking too much? Like right away when you're first starting to date, you of course are allowed to have these feelings. The example that you gave is such a classic example. And I remember that happening in college. It's like one girlfriend or something be like, we're going to go to this party. And all of a sudden we get there and she's gone and I don't know anybody. And you're like, thanks a lot. When I was in college, we really didn't have, I mean, we did have cell phones, but not smartphones. You couldn't just sneak away and pretend you were texting somebody. So I can relate to that completely. But when you're first starting to date, do you think it's okay to show that frustration or show that, no, I don't want to say neediness because it's not neediness. It's more just being a caring person, not showing up to a party and just throwing me to the wind. So is there a point at which it's too early to be like, hey, look, I was kind of uncomfortable with this and maybe wait until it happens two or three times or do you recommend nipping it right in the bud? Yeah. I mean, I think if it's the first time that you've gone to a party, you're kind of learning about that person. They're learning about you. Maybe you just clock it and take notice of it. 
and say, okay, you know, let me see, is this a perpetual problem? Because if it's a perpetual problem, absolutely, you need to address it. So second time you go to the party, same thing happens. Okay, maybe this is this person's preference. Their preference might be to, hey, I just want to take you, introduce you to someone, and I want to see that you can navigate a room on your own, which maybe that's your personality, maybe it's not your personality. And that's okay, because we all have different preferences. So then talking about that with that person and find out, is that their preference? Maybe to them, they don't see it as a problem and they don't know your preference. So if you kind of look at it more as preferences versus really like a problem and just have a conversation, be very conversational about it. That's a good way to re-angle it. It's a preference, not a problem. Eventually, maybe those preferences can turn into problems and those would be good markers to note whether or not you guys are compatible or not. But when you're noticing these preferences, do you think it's passive aggressive to joke around about it, to kind of call it out? Okay, so, oh, gee, thanks a lot. I really look great over there in the corner with the wallpaper, like me and the wallpaper make a great couple. So doing something like that, you think would build more tension rather than kind of release it. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're not really dealing with the issue and you're going to build subtle resentments. And look, you know, with every person that we partner up with, we're going to have a problem. So part of dating is figuring out what are the problems I'm willing to deal with? What are the preference differences that I'm willing to deal with? Can I see myself on the long term? And how do I navigate through it? Because every perpetual problem, there is a way to navigate through it. Is it going to cause tension? Yes. But if you're dealing with it head on, it's going to have less tension and you're going to find creative solutions to get around that problem. Yeah. I almost picture resentments in relationships, like the phrase, death by a thousand paper cuts. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it seems to be. It's like just these little, little things building and building and building and building. And finally, it becomes this huge wound, this huge like amputated leg. So now that we've kind of touched upon the guys just starting to date, and dipping their toe into the water with presenting their problem. How do you, once you're in the relationship, fight fairly? Mm-hmm. So one of the things I talk to couples about is what I call an SOS meeting, is to on a weekly basis have this SOS, you know, save your soul. <laughs> where we actually have like a heart to heart, where it's a planned time every week where we're just checking in with each other and say, hey, what went really great with us this last week? And what was a little bit more challenging? So we're more head on dealing with it. Because if we do that, we're minimizing that death by a million cuts kind of situation. Because that's probably the biggest thing that I see coming in with couples is a million little things that if they were dealing with them front and center on a weekly basis, it would be minimal. The damage would be minimal. So when you have that save your soul meeting, you really want to ask, hey, was there anything this week that just didn't sit with you right? Marnie would be saying to me right now, Ha ha, I told you so because we've done the show for years and she would bring up the fact that her and her husband have a weekly meeting and I would make fun of her and pick on her. And I just thought that was the cheesiest thing and like the most bizarre thing. And Marnie is very much that type of person. So it works for her personality. I think it's a great idea now that I'm a little bit older and maybe like a fraction more mature, but If you're dealing with someone like me, so say I'm in a relationship and my boyfriend wants to have a weekly meeting, how do you present that to someone where they're not going to be like, what? 
a weekly meeting. What is this? Like the cheesiest sitcom to ever exist? What do you do to make it feel like it's not elementary because it's actually very adult and very mature to do it, but something about it feels very much like kindergarten-y to me. So how do you present it to someone like me who's cynical about doing that? Yeah, you know, hey, I really want to get to know you more. So I would really like for us to have a time weekly where I can really kind of dig in and get to know your deeper soul, especially for women. I think even though you might be a little hesitant, the thought of your partner wanting to know something more deeper about your soul could be a little bit more enticing, a little bit more, create a little bit more open-minded, like, oh, you really want to know me. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Yeah. So you calling it save your soul Mm -hmm. is really, really smart because it does angle it in that way where it's not like, let's have a weekly meeting to discuss what potential problems are existing in this relationship. It's a completely Mm -hmm. different angle. It's like, let's get together and go deep for once a week. We just make sure that we're never losing touch with each other. Mm -hmm. And so... That is appealing to me. Whenever I work with guys, uh, I teach guys how to banter. And what I see in a lot of guys is a lot of surface level conversation. And when they hear banter, they just think surface level, fun, playful, jokes, jokes. But the huge piece that they're missing is that soul connection, is really getting to know somebody and going deeper. So when it comes to, I guess, merging the soul with maybe potential fights, how do you walk that line where it's like, okay, this was supposed to be a meeting about our souls and like being more connected. And now we're talking about problems and things that you're doing wrong that I don't like. So how do you keep it soul oriented while addressing issues? Yeah. So I call it CPR. So we (laughs) want to do a little CPR in our hearts. And so again, so it's part of the soul. We got to have the heart working so that the soul stays alive. And so part of that is talking about like, I always like to lead in the positive, of course, like what's something that you really appreciate about your partner? Like, hey, I really appreciate you coming over and making me dinner. And maybe the problem is that they use every pot and pan (laughs) and they splatter food everywhere. And your whole back wall behind your stove has tomorrow's dinner on it. Right. Then it's like, hey, I really appreciate you coming over. I've noticed about myself, I really like to do the dishes as we're cooking. It makes me feel less chaotic. And I just really wondering if you can help with kind of like cleaning as we cook or when you're done cooking, would you mind just taking a cloth and wiping off behind the stove? That was actually a huge issue with my long-term relationship. And I don't really talk about it much on the show, but every time he would cook, there would just be crumbs everywhere. It was almost like, how did a crumb get into the bathtub? (laughs) They would be everywhere. And I'm like, I just don't understand. And I didn't grow up in an environment that had messy stuff. And so that was a real big point of tension because I thought I would ask nicely over and over and over. And it just was like, he didn't hear it because it would be the exact same thing the next time he cooked which was probably only like eight hours later because he cooked a lot. So what happens if they're not hearing you? It's like, I don't know if I need to paint neon signs with your stains on them. I don't know what I need to do, but how do you get through? Yeah, so I look at it really as kind of like a five-step process. It's first step is talk about how you felt in this situation, not why you felt, but how I felt. 
I felt nervous, overwhelmed, disappointed, sad, whatever the emotion is. What did I go through? Like my opinion didn't even account. Sometimes that's an important one to even address. And then what's the situation? This is my reality. And in your reality, I think it's important to give context, being able to do, hey, when I grew up, one of the things is when we cooked in the kitchen, my mom was militant about you had a sink drawn and you washed your dishes as you went along. And there's no other way to cook other than that. And so that's where this comes from. Maybe that's my problem, but that's my preference now. And again, labeling as a preference, maybe I'm silly for that, but that's my preference. You know, and you may not relate to that because that's not your reality. That's okay. But this is my my situation. This is what I need. This is my reality. And then sometimes there's some triggers. So even talking about some of the triggers, hey, I was really tired today. And so maybe I didn't state that clearly earlier when we were talking about this. What can I take responsibility for? Maybe I've passively aggressively tried to in the past bring this up and I can take responsibility. I didn't head on deal with this. And then five, what's the constructive way that we can move forward? And I think it's really important with that constructive way of how do we move forward is that you're getting some of that reflective listening that your partner is able to say back. So what you need is this, this, and this. And when this happens, it takes away these feelings and helps you feel more positive. Because I think we want we want our partners to have positive feelings. We don't want them to have icky, yucky, unpleasant feelings. Right, right. Well, <laughs> just go back to the soul thing. Every time there would be like sludge on the back wall of the stove, my soul would die a little bit because it like ate away at me on the inside. I'm like, I can't live in this like sucks my soul out because I feel so gross. I feel so like I can't be my best self. So I think would end up being an issue, which you may have addressed all in that answer, but I'll just repeat it in case. What would become an issue perhaps would be that they don't feel appreciated because it's like, but I'm cooking you dinner. I'm doing this for you. And I'm just getting this negative feedback. Like, can't you just enjoy what I'm doing for you? How do you respond to something like that? Yeah. So on the front side, that's really why you want to give that positive affirmation in the beginning. Like, I so appreciate this. This is such an amazing gesture this in one hand is a stress reliever to know that I'm going to be able to just come home or come out of a nice bath and a meal is prepared. I love that. That makes me feel so loved and cared for. So use some of that positive affirmation and that appreciation. And then you can lead into, and don't use a but, because if you use a but, you've just mm-hmm. negated everything beforehand. Please don't mm-hmm. use buts. Just your actual but. Show yeah. your but. Yeah. That's yeah, the only but that you want right? to use. Perfect. You know, <laughs> distraction. Right. <laughs> It'll soften even more what you have to say next. <laughs> so use that and. And I realized for me, what's challenging is I, I kind of lose the enjoyment of the meal because my mind goes to, oh my gosh, look at this afterwards that I'm left with. And it just slowly makes me just kind of build like a deflated balloon. And so what I really need is, is there a different way we can go about how you cook a meal or address like cleaning up in the kitchen? Or is there a way for me to help you so that this becomes less of an issue? Do you recommend anything like you've got the Save Your Soul meeting, but do you recommend anything in between those hours or those days? So if you have the meeting once a week, what can you do to be consistent and kind of check in or make sure that we're on track so that once the meeting comes, we're not building up from six days prior? 
Yeah, so it really kind of depends on personalities. For some people, if every day you're telling me something that doesn't work well, I'm going to be like, okay, I just, I can't win here. Nothing's ever good enough. So for some people, that doesn't work. Bring up little things every day. I think some individuals think, oh, well, it's better than getting it all in one lump, some kind of like heavy piece. Chances are, if you are having that weekly meeting, it's not going to be a big problem every week. It's just going to be little things, little tweaks. And again, if you're keeping it as preferences rather than problems, hey, I've noticed for me a preference is I like to have my clothes folded this way or things not collect on the table as you walk in the front door or shoes put here, whatever it is, it's preferences. Then we can negotiate from there and really kind of identifying again, what's my core need? My core need might be tidiness. And relating that back to even like kind of, well, where does that come from? Because a lot of times there's a history to our preferences. Blame it on mom and dad. I mean, it always goes back to mom and dad. Usually like something we learned as kids became part of our preferences. So again, if we're having that weekly meeting, big things aren't building up. And then through the week, we're just really enjoying being a couple. We're dating. We're having fun. We're being playmates for each other. Uh, We're being stress relievers. Now, certainly, I think there's room for in the week, you know, if something comes up and you're just like, okay, I've got to address this. Sometimes you need to address it. Chances are you can wait to the weekly meeting. I usually say if a toilet isn't overflowing and a pipe hasn't burst, it probably is not urgent and it can go in your meeting at the end of the week. Right, right. How long should the meeting be? Should it be an hour, 20 minutes? Maybe, maybe an hour, half hour to an hour. And I think it's fun to put fun things into the meeting too, like dreamy stuff. Like, hey, what's coming up this month that you're really looking forward to us doing? What would you like for us to save up for? Like, oh, you want to go to Costa Rica? Okay, well, what, how do we make that happen? What are the steps to that? What do we need to each budget for that? So do some dreamy stuff in it that's fun. How much fighting would you say is healthy in a relationship? Like, at what point does it become like, eh, maybe it's just not working? So I think it depends on how you fight. If it's high conflict fight, there's name calling, there's really putting down, there's a lot of criticism. So we kind of watch out for, there's what we call the four horsemen of the apocalypse in relationships, defensiveness, criticism, contempt, and stalling walling. If that's a perpetual problem, danger, 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 Will Rogers, (laughs) this probably is not going to be a good relationship in the long term. Yeah. Just hearing those words make me feel kind of grateful for being single. I mean, I a lot of the time I'm grateful for being single. Other times I'm not so much, but those things are so dreadful. What were they again? You said they were... Defensiveness, criticism, contempt, which is a very lethal form of criticism. It's kind of this, I'm better than you. Yeah. You don't know yes. what you're talking about. Yeah. And it really is really putting that person down, almost embarrassing you sometimes to other people, which is just horrific airing your dirty laundry to other people, horrible. And then you've got stonewalling. The person just doesn't even want to talk about it, doesn't want to take any responsibility. This isn't my problem. This is your problem. Get over yourself. Okay, we might each have our own quirks. And maybe I need to deal with some of that in my own personal work. But to have that attitude of you're not willing to discuss this with me, okay, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I I want to ask you a couple questions if you'd be open to talking about your personal preferences in dating. Sure. That'd be cool. Awesome. Okay. All right. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
Are you looking for a fast and easy way to bet on all your sports action? Well, then you have to check out betonline.ag. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. All those things with lots of letters. There's real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and guess what? It's free to sign up. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. If you're depressed, doing anything feels like climbing Mount Everest. Setting up appointments feels like climbing Mount Everest. Well, in this case, using BetterHelp, it's like, I don't know, maybe taking one step on a tiny set of stairs. It's easy, it's convenient, and it's there for you. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I want you to start working on your happiness right now. You deserve it. And this service is available worldwide, so you don't have to be in the US of A to use it. You can be anywhere. So even if you're off on vacation, you're supposed to be having a great time, but you really need to talk to somebody because it's not going well, guess what? BetterHelp will be there. So start living a happier life today. And as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash askwomen. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash askwomen. If you listen to the Ask Women podcast, then you are already miles and miles and miles ahead of other men when it comes to attracting and getting the girls you want. But I must confess, there's one missing piece in the puzzle, and that's flirting or the ability to ignite sexual chemistry with any girl you meet in a matter of minutes. Most guys suck at flirting. They can't flirt their way out of a paper bag. But as your personal wing girl, I can't let you be one of those guys. That's why I want to show you the most effective step-by-step formulaic approach to flirting with any girl you like. This formulaic approach has been tested on thousands of girls and has been proven to work like magic. Yes, magic. You just apply the formula and see results instantly, and it's that powerful. To find out everything about this flirting formula, all you have to do is go to winggirlmethod.com slash flirty. I've made a special video for you where I reveal what this formula is all about. Go to winggirlmethod slash flirty and you'll find out all about it. All right, welcome back. And we're not going to get away from the fighting totally, completely, but I am curious because this show is for guys looking for women. I want to talk to you a little bit about your dating history or what your current situation is or what your past situation was, preferences, etc. So are you single or are you in a relationship? I am. I am single. I've been single now for seven years. I lost my husband actually seven years ago. Um, So that's kind of a bummer. So yeah, back out there, sort of. I love helping everyone else. So I think sometimes I put my own self on that back burner. Yeah. And I've got grown kids at this point. So sometimes just maintaining my relationship with my grown kids. So I haven't been out there as much as probably I could be. Yeah. No, I mean, I understand, obviously, just to an extent, I just lost my mother recently. Mm -hmm. So I understand the grief portion of things. It's debilitating. 
I know that you said seven years ago. So we're at different phases or stages. Mm -hmm. It never goes away, of course. But would you say that you did hit a point where you wanted to start dating again? Or have you felt like, you know what? I really don't need to. I'm interested in my kids. I feel maybe an attachment to my husband. Was there ever, ever a point that you felt open to it? Yeah, I think there's been times where you're sitting home and you're realizing, oh, the house is a little empty, especially because my kids are grown out of the house, gone to college in their own lives and their own relationships. So definitely there is those moments where, you know, kind of, I'd be nice to have someone around or someone to go do something with. I just have such a full, rich life, I think, with my clients, with my friends, my other family. It hasn't been a big blank space in there. And I think it's challenging because there were so many wonderful things about my husband that still to this day, I think like, man, there's some things that would be big shoes to fill. And so I think that's hard. And just wrestling through that, how do I honor the memory of that relationship? So I think I go back and forth. Yeah. Have you at all dabbled like on dating sites at all? Or Yes, yes, I've done. Yeah, you know, partially part of me has been like, well, maybe I should do this thing that all my clients are doing. We're talking about, Okay, so it's you know been you know over thirty years since I dated, right? So dating was very different thirty years ago to where it is today. And so I've heard for years clients going through the various different dating apps. So I've been on eHarmony, I've been on Match, been on Bumble, have not tried Hinged yet, which all my clients are loving Hinged right now. <laughs> That's what I always recommend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've tried it all. It's interesting. I think some of the things that were annoying to me that I see with my clients is sometimes that we're not getting offline. You're texting me back and forth. We're not getting offline. And that was frustrating for me, just being a conversational person. I want to meet you in the flesh and the blood, get to know you. So it was kind of like, if you're not asking me out for coffee or something more creative than coffee in three days, I'm moving on. (laughs) Right, right. Well, women have so many choices that it's like, You've got to take that opportunity. I almost picture it as like the wall coming down in Indiana Jones. I don't know if it's Temple of Doom or which one it was, but a wall is coming down and he's rolling under trying to get escape. And like, that's a little bit what it is with guys on dating apps. It's like you're trying to just skirt through before their door closes. Because if you go too soon, then it's not exciting. Then it's like, ugh, that's too much. And then if it's too late, then you're stuck behind that door and with no Indiana Jones to save you. So... Since you have online dated, what's your preference when it comes to opening conversation? This is what I talk or teach all day long, essentially. I work on helping guys open in a way that will get them noticed. So what do you think is the best way to open on a dating app or a dating site? Yeah, I think it's really great when guys can be creative and look through the profile, find something out that's interesting and open with that. A little bit of humor, I think, is usually... Pretty good. If I look at my clients and what they've shared with me, what's caught their attention, it's been like, hey, someone's been witty enough to find something to draw me in. Yes. Well, thank you. You're like promoting my business for me right now. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. You got to bring a little bit of a wit, a little bit of humor, stand out a little bit. It's kind of like if you were doing a job resume in today's day and age, you know, you got to stand out from the competitors. You got to put something in that's a little bit unusual, a little bit different. One of my clients is recently, something that she had put in the profile had indicated that she liked muscles. And the guy put in there, he goes, well, I know where I'm taking you for the first date is someplace where it was all you could eat muscles. 
And she was like, oh my gosh. Oh, I thought you meant like body muscles. <laughs> no, like Arnold like Schwarzenegger. Muscle. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'd be a great play on words. Like I have so many big muscles and then it just shows uh-huh. them clams or whatever, you know, like little yeah. seafood. But. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. So that really caught her eye that she had just mentioned something in a profile and he grabbed it and, and reached out on that. Yeah. It's always, it seems to come down to details. Like the more detail oriented Mm -hmm. you can be in a profile, the better. Like if you put, I love listening to podcasts. It's like, okay, well, which podcast? Mm -hmm. So you always want to be more specific because then it will feel, even if it feels mundane to you, it may be unique to the person reading it. Yeah. So did you ever go out on any dates from the sites at all? Are you? Oh, yeah. You yeah, did. Yeah, I did. I went on yeah. quite a few dozen or so dates, dated someone for about a two-year period of time. And the and natural end to that relationship was they didn't know how to bite well. Things would just, they would avoided, didn't bring up things. And then all of a sudden something would come up and it was like World War II in their approach. And it was like, okay, this isn't going to work. And even though we were having like these, you know, therapists, it's probably terrible. It's got to be terrible to guys to date a therapist. Or a banter coach. Yeah. Yeah. Or a banter <laughs> coach, right? <laughs> I scare them to death. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So even though I was doing those weekly meetings and we were checking in with each other, he just wasn't bringing things up that were major preferences and difficulties or problems for him and was stuffing it away. So after seeing that three or four times in then having a more serious conversation, just realizing they were very conflict avoidant and that probably wasn't going to be something that was going to change. Yeah. It's like, don't you see who you're dating? Mm-hmm. I counsel people on this shit. You got to be yeah. up hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And going yeah. into it, it's like they've got to be on their A game with that stuff. What about him before the relationship ended? What about him made you date him? What made him be someone that you were with for two years? Was he really exciting at first? Was he really charismatic? Or did you just really connect emotionally? What was it that brought him to the home base, I guess? Yeah, you know, I had put something in there about like about dreams of learning to golf or something. And so that was something that he picked up initially, and that like tennis, but I haven't picked up a racket a long time. So that was something initially he put out there. And so he took me golfing and he took me playing tennis. And so it was something very active, fun, enjoyable, something that I longed to do. So that initially grabbed my attention that he saw that in the profile, keyed in on that and followed up with those things. So that was fun. So we would have good adventures together. And I'm very much an adventure person. I'm out and about. I'm not the kind of girl who's going to stay home. I like adventure. And he did good in the beginning with that kind of stuff. Did you make it clear in your profile that you were into adventure or was that something like you just said, I like golf or I like this. And then he maybe surmised that you're more of a go out and do it kind of person. Yeah, I think it was pretty much in my profile. I said something along the lines of, you know, hey, I'm a girl who's comfortable in a pair of jeans and an evening gown. You rarely find me home. If I am home, it's only to read a good book. You know, I'm usually out seeking adventure and finding new things. And so I think I said something along that line on my bucket list of things to do this year is learn how to play golf, tennis, rock climbing, something like that. So I put something in there about that. He keyed in on it, followed up on it and doing those things. The idea of dating right now, obviously with COVID, we're a little bit on getting toward the tail end of things. Mm -hmm. But what are your suggestions when it comes to dating right now and COVID? And I know some people may not be on the same page. You know, someone may feel uncomfortable going out 
to a restaurant, someone may not. So how do you discuss and maybe fight about COVID at this Mm -hmm. point? Yeah. So again, it's all coming from what do you need, how you feel about a certain situation, and then checking in with that person of how they feel. What do they need? So for me, like I'm feeling a little uncertain about going into a restaurant and eating indoors right now. And I just need for us to find places that we can be more outdoors, preferably down by the ocean, because I want that ocean breeze that makes me feel safe to be going out to eat. Right, right, right. I was dating a guy for a few months this summer, and I'm not as hesitant with COVID as he was. I was a little bit more like, you know, okay, we'll be, I know there's distancing and we'll be safe. It's fine. I wasn't really that worried. And we were in New York City. So obviously that's a really high, (laughs) I should be afraid, not should be afraid, but I should have been a little bit more cautious. But restaurants at that point were operating at 50% capacity. I think it was 50% capacity. And he sent me a text. Like we were texting back and forth, but he said, would you eat inside a restaurant right now? And I knew because I knew how he felt, I said no. But my true feelings was, yeah, 50% capacity and it's all open. It's summertime. Might have not been summertime. It might have been maybe just on the cusp of becoming summer or maybe it was at the talent. It doesn't matter. It was at one point where I knew windows are open. The weather was still decent-ish. Like it wasn't 20 degrees out or something. So you could eat outside. And we did eat outside several times. However, I did lie to him regarding my preference because I was like, I don't know how to properly engage about this. But I kind of knew at that point, we weren't really a match as it was. We did date for a little while longer, but that for me a little bit was a turning point. If I did really like him a lot, I probably would have been more open and looking to build a bridge between our two thoughts. But I did kind of the wrong thing by just lie because then what ended up happening was I started having a little minute amount of resentment. Because he was being really kind of like whiny about everything. And I was like, I'm doing everything the way we're supposed to. And I'm not saying anything about it. So I did start to feel like it was building up. I knew again, like I knew it wasn't going to really go anywhere. But it was interesting to have that point, that moment. It was almost like a make or break moment. Right. Do you feel comfortable in there or do you not? And so if I were to say, yeah, I am comfortable going in there. And I know he's not. How would I have said that? Because it was an early stage of dating. I didn't feel comfortable enough yet being in a situation that would have had tension with it. Yeah. So it's an interesting question because it was a from him a passive aggressive question of like, would you like he's trying to sort out like where are you being COVID safe at versus just leading again with I'm realizing for me my preference is I'm being a little bit safer, a little bit more cautious. And I'm getting a sense from you that maybe you're not quite the same level as us. And I'd like to have a conversation about that. It seems like you might be more comfortable eating indoors and I'm not. And I'm just wondering how this is going to match up between the two of us. So basically what you're saying is don't really hide anything. Be open. It's going to come back at some point because let's say COVID's gone. But this person is a little bit more germ conscious. Something else. There's going to be something else that they're going to be more cautious about. Oh, well, I'll tell you what that something else was. I'm easygoing in a lot of ways and then like very neurotic in other ways. But when it 
comes to, I guess, I don't want to say cleanliness because like I said earlier in the show, I hate when crumbs are around. I hate messes, stuff like that. But when it comes to, I guess, germs, I'm not as phobic. I don't have any sort of like real problem. So the other thing that popped up after we had already brought up the COVID thing was if I have a dog, I sleep in bed with my dog. And he would never in a million years let his dog onto the bed. And I understand it's in New York City. You don't know what's on the sidewalks there. I'm not currently living in the city. I did live in Los Angeles and had a dog sleeping in my bed every night. It just didn't really bother me. But that was the other thing that popped up. And so the way he asked me, do you feel comfortable eating inside was what I did to him. Then a few months later, when we were out, we were eating outside on the sidewalk, getting brunch. And I knew his answer to this, the way he kind of knew my answer to the COVID thing. But I said, if you had a dog, would you let it sleep in bed with you? And he was like, God, no, no, oh, never. And so I just kind of knew I'm like, all right, we're really not compatible. And so it was after that point, we parted ways. But it, the reason I'm saying this story is because sometimes it's like, because we were definitely attracted to each other, but it's like, how do you know when to bargain and try to come to a middle ground? Or when do you discover you're just not right. a good match? Yeah. 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 Well, that's that perpetual problem thing. So it really kind of comes down to what am I willing to deal with as a perpetual problem of differences? And can we find a way to navigate it? What is really my core need? What's your core need? Is there a way that you can be flexible around your core need? Is there a way that I can be flexible around my core need? Like the dog thing is not an uncommon one. I see it with couples all the time that come in. One wants them in a kennel or whatever you call it. They put the dogs in at night. The other one wants them up on the bed. Eventually, sometimes they can get to an area of flexibility. It's like, okay, well, we have a special blanket that we lie over the bed. As long as the dog's on that bed, we then take that blanket off, wash that blanket. I'm okay with the dog being on the bed then, as long as the dog's not in the middle of the night creeping their way up and in the middle of us. You know, we can train that. So there's an area of flexibility that a lot of times couples can get to. Do you think that that says something bigger, though, about the people? that maybe at their core, they're just different. Because I thought when we were dating and he said absolutely no way would he let a dog sleep on the bed. I was like, well, first of all, you let me sleep on the bed. So uh-huh. you already let one yeah. in there. But number uh-huh. two, maybe we're just different people because it seems like to me, like that's like a division line. Like I'm really lovey-dovey. I like to cuddle. I don't like things to be sterile. So it seemed like we're just different people. And what's frustrating is that it may not be the case. We may have been compatible and I'm just pushing away potential suitors. And so it's like, it's such a hard, fine line balance of like, am I being too picky or am I being just respectful of what I want and who I am and what my preferences are? It's like trying to figure that out. I think, you know, it's just a hard. It is tricky, right? It is tricky. I mean, I think the challenge is at the end of the day, you're going to be very different people. You're different personalities. You got male-female differences. You've got cultural differences. You've got personality temperament differences. You're not going to find a clone of yourself. So then it really kind of comes back to, all right, what things are really my deal breakers? And really, really being careful about what those deal breakers are because 
a lot of times that's where fights come is around deal breakers and they're trying to change those deal breakers, but those deal breakers are so ingrained that person is probably not going to change. So then I really have to go, okay, that's a gridlock problem. That's probably not going to change. Can I deal with that and not be resentful? Because if the end of the day is like, I'm going to resent that over time, then yeah, it's a gridlock deal breaker. We can't work through that. Like common one I see with couples, especially here in LA, a lot of times people have been in their careers a long time. And now it's like time clock has hit and someone's like, oh my gosh, I need to have kids. And the other one's like, nah, I think that ship has sailed. I mean, that's a gridlock. You can't move past baby, no baby. Gridlock can't move past. So if you're going to settle down with that person, you know... They've made that clear. That's not going to change. You have to be in a place of, I'm not going to resent that and I'm okay with that, which is a pretty hard one to settle on. Yeah, definitely. And it takes a lot of, I think, confidence in a way to move on if it's not the right situation because you have to believe that you're okay on your own and that there is someone else out there that is compatible for you. And when you get in these situations where there is that gridlock, it seems like operating from a place of abundance where you know this you can still survive and you can find someone for you is really important to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, then you're just going to stay in the wrong thing and eventually... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and sometimes, you know, I say this a lot to my clients is sometimes you have to turn over a lot of stones or you got to kiss a lot of frogs Mm -hmm. before you find the one that you're like, okay, all right, I'm comfortable, you know, jumping on a lily pad with you. There's a a lily pad. Right, like you're still a frog, but... yeah. That's yeah, pretty good. Yeah. You know, you know, I can deal with that wart. It's not a bad one. <laughs> right. They'll clear up. Everyone's going to have a wart. It's not too bad. And if you find that you are being maybe a little bit too needy or a little bit too picky, I love the book Attached. If you've not read it, I think everyone should read it. It should be one on one relationship guide of really understanding, you know, what's your attachment style? Are you an anxious attacher? Are you an avoidant attacher? Because a lot of times if there's a lot of preferences that are coming up, you've probably got some avoidance tendencies that are where you're going like, oh, no, this person, no, that's not good. That's going to be deal breaker, deal breaker, deal breaker. I mean, I think there's a couple big deal breakers, but I think a lot of times people make things deal breakers when they don't need to be because either they've got an anxious or a anxious avoidance personality type. Do you think that that's something that someone could bring up on a first date about their attachment style or is that too soon? Probably first date's a little too soon. You don't want to kind of like dive into it too deep. I usually say in a first date, kind of keep it to a step above what you would talk to someone about in a grocery store line. Yes. It's light, it's fluffy. You're not going to tell your deep, dark secrets. You're not going to go into your worst breakup story in the world. Wait, this is every single thing I do on a first date. That's my checklist on my first day. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, maybe you need to come see me. <laughs> I know I do. We'll do the deeper work of like how we get rid of that, those issues. <laughs> you know? It would be a real savior's soul meeting, a real one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. This has been super informative and helpful to me also. So sometimes I, when Marnie's not here, I can take advantage and get my own little therapy session <laughs> from our guests. So thank you for that. So if someone wanted to get in touch with you, is there a way to work with you or anything that you'd like to put out there for? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm in Burbank, California area. I'm licensed in actually several states. And I can either do the licensed marriage family, the therapy work piece of it, or I can stay in a more coaching model as well if we're talking about in other states. 
But if you want to do the deeper work, you kind of want to be in a license, one of these things I'm licensed in. So you can find me on the web at hope-therapy-center.com. I'm on Instagram, hope underscore therapy underscore center. And Facebook, I'm there too. Although I don't think people find this in Facebook anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's weird. It's like you can kind of feel the technology preferences shifting. Yeah. So yeah, so your website is a great place to contact you. Thank you so much again for being on the show. And for everyone listening, we have new episodes out every Thursday at 8 p.m. Pacific. Make sure to subscribe so that you don't have to download episodes individually and you'll be notified that we are in your phone waiting to talk to you. So make sure to do that and rate the show if you only want to give us five stars. So... Thank you so much for listening. And you can hit me up at kristinandchill.com if you need any help with your banter skills. And Jenny, thank you for being here. Until next time, see you soon. Bye.